Doing something a little different today, I brought my team, that's the Confluent Developer Advocates, onto the show to talk about developer advocacy in the pandemic and why we're excited about the upcoming Kafka Summit. They're all once and future guests on the show, but you get all of us together on today's episode of Streaming Audio, a podcast about Kafka, Confluent, and the cloud. Hello and welcome to another episode of Streaming Audio. I am particularly delighted today to be joined in the studio by the three other developer advocates at Confluent, Robin Moffat, Ricardo Ferreira, and Victor Gamoff. Uh, gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thanks very much for having us. Now, what I want to talk about today is a couple things. Number one, Kafka Summit. Kafka Summit's coming up imminently, um, and that's the thing that we're all pretty excited about, and there are like 20,000 or so people who are pretty excited about it. Um, and so I, I want to talk about Kafka Summit, but um, in particular, uh, we are all here together because we are the developer advocacy team at Confluent, and the profession of developer advocacy has changed a lot in the pandemic, and conferences have changed a lot in the pandemic. So that's really what we're going to talk about today. Before we do that, you've all been guests on the show before and longtime listeners, uh, you know these people. And even if you're a short-time listener, uh, you probably know them anyway from the things that they do online and the things that they have done in person. But briefly, as always, I want to ask you to introduce yourself. Robin. Hi, Tim. Thanks for having us back on the show. Um, it's uh, it's fun to be back. And my uh, at the moment, I'm exploring the world of Golang, uh, which is a nice uh, difference from my usual uh, trip into data warehousing and analytics and that kind of thing. Ricardo. Hey, Tim. Thanks for having us. Um, so this is Ricardo. Yeah. So as you may know, I am the one of the developer advocates crazy about superheroes. And uh, most importantly, I'm the one that I actually keep bothering you with cloud stuff and serverless and making sure that things are reasonably interesting to see in this arena for you. Victor. As always, great to be at uh, Streaming Audio, uh, Victor Gamov, and usually I am transforming coffee in all different types of pre-workout drinks to videos uh, or tweets. So this is what I do. And a little bit of code, of course. There's some code in there too. Awesome. And this is a different kind of episode. I mean, this this is sort of the ensemble version, and uh, we'll see if I can... Uh... Isn't, it, isn't it nice? Yeah, we need to do this more often, right? Yeah, we do, but... Uh, we'll, we'll see if I can host this ensemble as well as like the Russo brothers can do it uh, with the Avengers movies. Um, we'll find out. Well, before Avengers movie, there were community, and this is where they learn how to serve ensemble. Just saying. Oh, and you are very, very right. Uh, so uh, let's talk about, this has been a, a topic that I've seen people kick around on Twitter, and I know we've talked about it offline, but just how has our work changed in the pandemic? The obvious thing is that we don't really travel anymore, that my last, my last trip ended in the beginning of March. Um, and I spoke at a conference in, in London where afterward the conference emailed us and said, hey, there were two people who were COVID-19 positive who were at the conference, so watch yourself. You know, is that, that sort of uh, very early in this whole explosion sort of thing. And I haven't done an in-person event since that. Well, that's not true. I did like a couple of meetups in the, the days that followed that. But since that trip, uh, have not done an in-person event. And that sort of that part of our life is gone for now. What are we doing? What is what is taking the place of that? 
Nothing. We're doing the same. You know, we're doing the, we, we teaching people with, you know, things around stream processing in Kafka in fun, nice ways. And just like a medium is changing a little bit, right? Like it's uh, like her purpose, like in, in our type of job, we are always remote, um, mostly working from home all the time or working from hotel or working from airport lunch. Um, but uh, the medium changed, the way how we deliver changed. And I think this is my opinion in terms of like uh, reach and in terms of like uh, the possibilities and the capabilities that we can employ uh, or apply to um, to to our jobs is is immensely changed. And I'm I'm trying to stay positive, like at least start with positive note. <laughs> we, can, well, we can talk about the downsides of this. Marshall Marshall McLuhan is not uh, a member of the ensemble today, so he is not available to comment on whether just a medium changing is a significant change. But Robin and Ricardo, you guys are. What do you think? I think I think I would start, um, if I may, Robin. Uh, for me, yeah, I, I think I agree with Victor. I think we have to stay positive. Uh, I think that's one of the main characteristics of uh, being a developer advocate, right? I mean, we... we we have to we have to bring happiness to developers, right? And by happiness, I'm not not I'm not talking about telling jokes or making their life like more funnier. It's it's more like about delivering content that we feel that's going to help them in their jobs. And by the time we were traveling all over the world and then going to conferences and having fun, I would like accumulate a little bit less of the content that I would like to share with developer. But now, without the conferences, I've been kind of struggling with the fact that right, I have a lot to say. But I'm not necessarily have the opportunity to do so. So what that makes me is more like a eager to find another ways to replace that missing part and kind of blogging more, like creating more content that can be viewed like uh, offline. Uh, of course, we've all been taught that uh, we can all do presentation remotely. And some of the conference have taught us that this is possible. The meetups programs that we have been uh, working on it taught us that it's possible. But it is, in the end of the day, it's different, right? Uh, if you ask me personally, I don't think it's going to be a per- perfect replacement for what we used to do. I miss it. Like, I miss the thrill of being a stage and the fear that my team is not going to work. And though some might say that, right, you can still have the same type of fears when you are presenting remotely, uh, it's not entirely true, right? Because when you present remotely, you have all the equipment to do the perfect presentation and not doing perfectly is, I think, is what kind of I miss more. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's all still evolving. I think, and the tech world is wonderful for people making all these proclamations and trying to sound smart on Twitter, but no one really knows what's going to happen. Um, and I think everyone's just trying to deal with it and come to terms with it. And I think in the early days, everyone was like, "Oh yeah, this is cool. We can just do like remote meetups, and it's just as good." And you can do meetups remotely. But I think audience and presenters alike get fatigued by doing too much of that. Um, and I think that's starting to show in, in recent weeks and months. And also with conferences, I think there's you can have too much of a good thing. Um, so I think it's all just going to change quite a lot. And like Ricardo was saying, like you don't get the same thrill of being on stage. You don't get the same energy and feedback from the audience. Um, and I think when you start doing the same content, you can take the same talk and do it at different conferences and meetups, and it's always going to be a bit different. It's always going to be you had that conversation just before you went on stage, which like so you start ad libbing a little bit, or you get some you have a good chat afterwards and say so next time you modify it. 
when you're just doing it and delivering it remotely into a camera, it's very difficult not to kind of, for it just to feel like delivering the same thing because you, you don't get that, that feedback. You might get a tweet or a question in the Zoom chat, but it's it's not the same at all. Um, so it, it's just it's just changing. And I think we're all trying to get a handle on it in the best way we can at the moment. This is a very interesting point uh, Robin brought in where in 2020 we start we start noticing some of the interesting things that we never thought before uh, like specifically like zoom fatigue you know this kind of new thing that came up in in, in terms of uh, psychological uh, diseases or mental <laughs> diseases right because it's it's still you know you are in the comfort of your of your home like what you know what what you're complaining about but here's the problem it's just like things are accumulating it's kind of like a death by thousand cuts rather than just like a one and and fast one right and same thing with the other uh, meetups so all of a sudden everyone is switching to virtual and here's the problem what i see um is that the our yes it's a good thing that we um can deliver more interesting content but uh our audience is also getting overwhelmed, also getting tired. So the things what we like most is to, you know, have a good conversation, like feel that we deliver something that inspire people and uh, help them to learn and progress in their, you know, professional career or, or personal career or, or things like that. This is just becoming too overwhelming for, for, for many, for many people. So it's why it allows us to adjust to the means how we can deliver our uh, content. Now, Victor, you uh, you mentioned Zoom fatigue, and you mentioned you mentioned earlier that we're all remote. Like that's that's our life. We used to be road warriors and remote, but it's not like we're in the office every day. I, I don't want that, and that's just not the nature of of this kind of job because there's traditionally been so much travel. And you remind me the Zoom fatigue thing. You know, that's that's time for the uh, the diehard gif uh, with uh, John McClain saying, welcome to the party, pal. You know, because being a manager and remote, you know, when I'm not on the road, I'm in Zoom. So, like, I get that. And it uh, reminds me of, like, my in early in my career, I wrote firmware and um, a lot of it in C and assembly language. And I think there are two things that are regarded as difficult programming tasks that are, like, just breathing for when you're doing firmware, uh, pointers and concurrency. Um, you know, ten years ago in the JVM world, everybody's saying, "Oh, you can't do concurrency by hand." You know, we need actors and we need software transactional memory, and all these things were happening. And again, I was back there saying, "Welcome to the party, pal." You know, if you, if you write firmware, yeah, you, you you learn how to do concurrency, and I've learned how to do Zoom. But it's interesting um, with and I, I think you guys have all brought this point out. Um, we absolutely are going to serve our community uh, with things that we can do online. And that work hasn't stopped. I mean, I'm as tired as I've ever been. Uh, and I know you guys are working as hard as you ever have. So it's it's not like this profession has ground to a halt because we can't fly on airplanes. Uh, we're still serving people. But the 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 in-person component, it's just interesting to reflect on that because, and for me, it, it kind of forces, I guess it's typical of me, some 
deep reflection on like what a human being is. And, you know, you could reduce a human being to just like an information flow. Um, and therefore Slack and Zoom, they're good enough. You know, they're, they're high enough fidelity reproductions of the information flow in and out. The bandwidth is pretty good. I've got a nice camera. Um, you know, yeah, who's complaining? Yeah. It's no, it's, it's, I don't want to say better than yours, but it's definitely good. Or is a human being not is just, you know, just chunk of meat where the information flow doesn't matter. Uh, and, and so it would be impossible if we take the in-person stuff away. If, if the, if you can't move the chunk of meat around, um, you know, you're, you're hosed either way. And I think what we're finding is both of these things really matter. Like being present with people is a thing and we all prefer it, but we can't do it right now. And so we have this fallback and darn it, you know, uh, not just the four of us, but developer advocates in general are making this work. Uh, yes, uh, Dad, who you were talking to? Uh, no, it's I can definitely relate to uh, to the point where it's a it's a different different it's a huge difference. And I remember one of the things where I was interviewed in different position when I was uh, trying to get this uh, like developer advocates uh, um, uh, job. And one of the things usually come up during, during these interviews is kind of like how you. Uh, either it's a question from the kingnet or it's a question from interviewer, like how you would balance like online versus offline presence, right? And it's very interesting how the job of developer advocates and this question, this specific question would be, you know, shifted in, uh, in means of 2020. Don't you, don't you think it's a, it's a, it's, it's interesting thing to, you know, think about this, like how were you prepared for this? Like, were you ready? Um, <laughs> to 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 make this like a leap and like a balance it out to say zero offline only online right <laughs> was your, i ready yeah no. your, your programs uh your um you know the means of delivery things your you know the metrics and all the nice things that uh the um the managers of developer people love um, how they would be you know affected and things like that right yeah and um and you know in what was the month March. Uh, that's when this was happening. Uh, you know, all these weird, the, the, the world was rapidly changing and parts of it collapsing around us. And, uh, we had to make those decisions. In fact, I even, uh, talked to, uh, Ali Murray about that on a previous episode. I'm going to make a link to include her in the show notes because it was, um, it was a great conversation about how community is being done in the pandemic. How has online presenting been for you guys. I'll make it a jump ball. So any, anyone who wants to answer that, go for it. It's okay. It's uh, I'll, I'll take a first pass. <laughs> That's a good way. It's, uh, <laughs> it, I found it's varied massively. Um, I've done some where you do, you join the zoom and like no one's got the camera on and everyone just sits there and probably isn't even really paying much attention to you. And you like, you go through it and everyone logs off and you think, well, I could have been like talking to my cat for like the amount of feedback that I got. And then I've done some, and it's almost been like being there in person, but not quite. But you get the you get the chat beforehand, and some people have their cameras on, so you can see faces. It's like, oh, hi, it's Dave, and that's great. And you get good questions, and you actually come off it with that kind of same energy after doing a meetup. And I found it super weird because I'd be in my office at home, and I'd walk out the door and go and see my kids, but I'd have that same post meetup buzz. So you, you can get that, but it's I think it's you just have to either work harder at it or it's just much more dependent on the situation. 
Um, and I suppose the the new part of it all is the is getting used to presenting online when it's pre-recorded, which for a lot of us, certainly for me, is like completely new. Um, just figuring out how how to do that when you're not even presenting it live. Um, but it's yeah, like I said before, it's just different. How to perform to a camera, in other words, like if you're in this job, you know how to perform to an audience. You're you're and if like everybody, you know everybody. Uh, in this podcast right now, you're senior level people and you know how to perform to an audience and you know that energy and you know that interaction. Can you do that to a little circle of glass? Uh, that's a different skill set. I think it, it builds on the first skill set, but it's a skill set that you have to build. You have to learn how to be this kind of narrowly ranged actor uh, that maybe there's only sort of one or two emotions that you ever portray in this one kind of character that you, you play. Um, you know, you're not Tom Hanks, um, but you're acting uh, if you're if you're doing stuff just to a camera. I think it's um, it's a matter of uh, developing this habit. It's uh, the human brain is uh, essentially you can teach anything to anyone <laughs> if there's a will to to be taught. Um, and when you have uh, some of the willpower to teach yourself and uh, find the ways how you can do this efficiently. I think it's uh, it's also it's also okay. It's also right. Um, personally, I was struggling a lot, and Tim can confirm this because he was directing some of my like first videos. Uh, when I'm on the stage, you know, I'm a king, so I can do whatever I want. I just like I have immense presence there. I love it. But when I'm in front of camera and I'm trying to record the concise five minute video, explain to you what's the Kubernetes operator, it can take hours, and uh, it takes immense. Um, what's a patience right so you need to understand that yeah this is different it's a different medium you need to find the ways how we can do um how we can do things like more efficient and f for me personally i i i think i adjust it well i if i just like following the advice of my friends uh if something is hurt you you need to do it more in this case, you develop a habit, how it's, it's going to be either you develop good um, tolerance to this pain or you find a way how you can eliminate this pain. If it's painful to look to this tally light and look into the, you know, the depends what kind of lens, if you're using a kind of morphic lens or if you're using just a spherical lens, it can be either a square <laughs> or it can be a circle. Um, a circle or a square. Good point. Good point. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, otherwise, uh, it's just like what else? What else? Uh, what, what else is done? You know, the, there's uh, much worse things to to do. Personally, I'm terrible in writing. I can write things. I can um, write when I find my flow. I write code and write uh, write some of the like uh, workshop instructions and documents and things like that. But my personal preference either like do video first or do like a voice first. It's just easier for me to express some of the things because like writing for me takes more time. And it's just like a matter of how you would adjust this, find the ways how it would be less painful. So that's why maybe personally I'm investing in uh, doing as less post-production as possible. So I'm trying to do the content that will not require me to do any additional work afterwards. So when, I, when I'm done, meaning I'm done, I'm spending the time preparing. I'd rather spend time preparing for something, you know, the uh, write the script, 
think about what I want to talk about. Uh, maybe work on some examples that I want to demonstrate before. Um, it was different when I was presenting on the stage because there, yes, there's a presentation slide, but every time, every presentation is different because I can improvise. I can bring up some of the things that I got from the people uh, on the conference floor or, 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 or in some hallway. Someone asked me and this will spark some of the new idea. It doesn't work this way anymore. So in this case, I need to spend some time to prepare a little bit more. But when I'm done, you know, my video is, is recorded. I want to do as less as possible post-production because it will take another time. I want to just like move on to next thing to, to execute. So it's definitely changed the way how I approach preparation, for example. I, I want to begin to pivot from uh, the discussion of us as individual developer advocates and just kind of, it's, it's, it's been good to talk to you about, uh, you know, the way the pandemic has, has changed the profession. Uh, very much, I, I think it's it's good for us to be clear. Um, you know, most of our audience is not other developer advocates, but for those of you who are, and you know, for those of you who kind of look at the strange people who do this work, there really is people do this because there's a part of you that is fed by interacting with human beings in person, uh, and I think we've we've learned that that seems to be an essential or nearly essential kind of thing. Um, I've always said there are two kinds of days at work that are my favorite days. One is I'm on a stage in front of people and the other is I'm in the studio because I happen to love that as well. Um, and one of those is gone and that, it, that, that matters a lot. Uh, and that's kind of a thing that I think collectively we're grieving. Um, but man, there are so many other ways to take care of people and that's what we're doing. And when it, when it comes to the topic of Kafka summit, uh, not only are we, performers that you put on camera or on stage or whatever, but we're also part of the conference organizing process. Okay. So everybody who's in this podcast right now, that who, whose voices you're listening to is a member of the Kafka summit program committee. Uh, by the way, I, I should be clear. Not everybody who works or who is on the Kafka summit program committee works for Confluent. More than half of them don't. And uh, that's a, that's a public list of names of wonderful people who, by the way, uh, for the summits this year, they have just worked their butts off. It's been amazing to see how well this program committee has has performed and how how thoroughly everybody has voted. But anyway, we're all in that here, and we're all functioning as conference organizers to rate sessions, to review videos, and all that kind of thing. So, um, I want to ask you guys your thoughts on online conferences specifically. There's, there's people, we're figuring out how to do this. That's, that's the organizers of Kafka Summit are figuring out how to do this. Every other conference business that's had to pivot to all online, you know, those that are going to survive this transition for as long as the transition is in effect. Um, there are, everybody's figuring out and, exp and experimenting with different things. What do you think is better? And I, I realize that's a, a, a somewhat oversimplified framing, but what do you think is better? Pre-recording sessions or performing sessions live for a conference. And I am okay if you answer that from your own perspective or from your perspective as an attendee. I think those are both interesting questions. So I will be against whatever uh, people would there. say. So I will yes. be... Uh, the devil's advocate. Oh. Yes. Oh, I said the developer <laughs> advocate. That will be devil's advocate. Exactly. This is the Freud. Your advocate's everything. Yep. For everything. So, so Robin, I'll, what do you I'll, think? I'll, so... 
in the relatively early days of this, um, I went to an online conference called Software Circus, and that was delivered live, and that was excellent um, because the content was great. The production quality was relatively low, and I hope they won't be offended by me saying that. It was all on Zoom. People had the kind of like the funky backgrounds where your head like is flying in midair because the AI is not so clever. And but it was really, really good because the quality was good and the delivery was good. And I think if you've got that, it doesn't really matter. And if you've got that, then delivering it live, some as the network doesn't go bang, is possibly better because at least you're delivering it live. So you've got the nerves to maybe keep you on point a bit. Um, if you're doing a recording, then it's quite easy to fall into like, and I'll read out the next slide and read out the next slide. Um, but I've just recorded some sessions for a conference and it was quite fun putting together a talk where you've got the demo and you can kind of show specifically the bits you want to by zooming in just on those. And I guess doing the kind of thing that if you're doing it as a live conference and you practiced it for like 10 weeks beforehand and I got every single switch perfect and you could do it and people would be blown away by seeing it live. And like in practice, who has the time to do that? But when it is pre-recorded, you do have the time to do that. So I'm going to sit on the fence. I'm going to say it depends. And it depends on those factors that you named. Yeah. Ricardo, what do you think? So Ricardo, you need to be either for or against because or, Robin or join was... me on the fence. The fence yeah, is comfy. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a podcast. There should be some drama. All right. So let's do it. Now, I, th- I think I'm going to just <laughs> objectively respond to Tim's uh, questions about what is the perspective of the attendee and the, the speaker. So let me start with the attendee. That's, let me share what I think. I think there's two types of attendees, right? And uh, there's this one that likes to be full. Let's call this. I will explain. Don't, don't, don't get offended right now. So I'll explain what listen that means. Listen to the man. Just listen to the man. Just listen. Uh, and there's the ones that don't like to be full, right? So what that means is that uh, there's these attendees that when they see the presentation, and I'm, I'm one of them, right? Uh, when I see a presentation from other speakers, I don't actually like when everything is perfect. You know, the rhythm, the words chosen, the presentation, the flawless demo. I, I don't like it. Uh, you hate you hate you my presentation. Yeah, the TED talks. Yeah. Uh, no, in general, speaking engagement in general, I've I've seen that there is a lot of I, I can see that there there was a lot of effort like to make it perfect, right? Got so it. I don't so like if, it. if you don't like perfection, then my content to you is terrible. So go on. Yeah, and there's the other guys that likes to be full, like the the, the the people that like to content just to be delivered because in the end of the day they are just interested on the information, right? And that's okay with it. I'm not I'm not saying that there's the people that don't like are right or the people that don't like are, 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 are wrong. Just there is two types of people. So I think there is no actually uh, bulletproof method that a conference can choose in order to uh, make everybody happy because people, human beings are different, right? So that's, that's my take. As a speaker, and as probably I've pre-explained before, I don't like to actually make things perfect, right? <laughs> I like to make mistakes. I think the mistakes makes make us perfect, right? Uh, that's how most of the artists kind of uh, make their best uh, jobs, like uh, creating imperfection in something that it was supposed to be perfect. And uh, I think that what, for, for me as a speaker, that's what makes uh, talking in a conference uh, interesting. So therefore, 
I would rather be doing synth live than pre-recording. I've, I've done some pre-recordings. Uh, I think went went well, right? But um, I don't know. I just can't sustain the fact that I am strategically picking the specific words that I have to say, right? Even when my English, which by the way is, sucks, but even when my English sounds perfect, I feel odd about it because, hey, this is not me, you know? It's like I'm not being transparent. Schema registry, which is, I would say, and then if you see me in a presentation saying schema registry, uh, it's something wrong with Ricardo because he's he's probably like in the middle. Yeah. Follow that pronunciation. Exactly. Yeah. It is It is the best. And ladies and gentlemen, if you did not know that particular fact about Portuguese phonology, you do now. Uh, words don't start with R followed by a vowel. So um, you, you, your, your task is to love it. Um, and Ricardo, by the way, your English is excellent. So that's, Thank you. Uh, that's, not, that's not true what you said about, about your English. Um, but that makes sense. You'd say, you'd say as a performer, you prefer live. Vic, advocate for the devil. All right. So let me break this down for you. So <laughs> the personally, what I found that the pre-recorded talks are incredibly uh, useful to reduce stress on the speaker, especially in the time of the Zoom fatigue and all this kind of nonsense. For me personally, I cannot do a live presentation as I always did because some of the schedule of this live talks will not be aligned with the schedule of my family. And sometimes my kids want to come and play around when I will be in the middle of a live talk. Yes, it's not going to be perfect, but I will be thrown off the off the rail, so I will not be good as a presenter because I want to, you know, uh, give attention to my kids, the attention that they deserve. Also, I want to give attention to audience in the who decide to spend the time with me. So that's why my pre-recorded talk recorded at my own you know, on my own rules, usually at night when everyone is sleeping in my basement, like no one is, is, is running around. So I can uh, record very good quality. And also, yes, I will be using words careful because I know that this is the place where I, you know, can cut out all the things. But personally, I don't like to cut things. So that's why I'm trying to, you know, as I already explained this before. Second thing. I found personally, uh, it may be not working for everyone. I still love to do live stuff. Um, my presentations, if you ever seen my presentations, I never do just the slides or just the talks or just whatever. I like to do demos as well. Like all my talks include some some of the live demonstration. Usually I don't do pre-recording, even though it's one of the um, presentation patterns. Awesome book, one of my favorite uh, the books in uh, in in the preparation for presentation, but I um, don't do pre-recording stuff. It fails. When when it dies, it dies. It's okay. It's fine. However, so the way how I found myself, the way how I can, um, you know, talk about live stuff, I do uh, live streams right now. And you can subscribe to Confluent channel and every Tuesday we have a live stream. What happened last, uh, this week, it was live and there was a hurricane in my area. My internet went off. My power went off. My deck was slightly destroyed. But hey, this was live, and this is where I got this, this feeling of the live. But for the conferences, like if it's well organized, I think pre-recording is fine. And last thing that I want to mention is um, the uh, one of the conferences when I presented uh, organizers 
and we work together on uh, delivering kind of like this um, this experience. So I delivered pre-recorded version, and no one noticed because I was there um, in um, like live chat. Uh, even though it was pre-recorded version, I was I was there to answer uh, all the questions, and no one noticed. And even I use some of the tricks, like I mentioned uh, before, when the, you know you're putting some of the uh, mistakes, you can put some of the things that prepare prepared um, to be there when the people will feel that this is actually like interactive. For example, in my case, it was when I show in the code, I didn't use presentation mode and I switched to presentation mode after, you know, few seconds, like maybe like 20 seconds, enough time that people in the chat would notice, hey, the font is too, 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 uh, too small. Can you ask the Victor to make the phone bigger? And I was acting like, oh, thanks for reminding me. Let me make this phone bigger. So you can find the ways how you can um, still make the, if you create enough, if you don't, if you care about the things, what you do, you find the way how you can make even uh, pre-recorded stuff, um, the, the interactive, I would say. And um, if you didn't catch the Ivan Drago I don't know if it was a quotation, more of an illusion that Victor made there. There was one in that monologue. And so if you want to back up to the start of it and listen again, you can do that. But Victor did just allude, or I'll say quote uh, his hero, Ivan Drago there, uh, from Rocky IV, played by Dolph Lundgren. Anyway, let me, uh, let me pivot us. Uh, we're coming up against time soon. So let me pivot us to Kafka Summit proper. What we're doing with Kafka Summit is, is we have we have all these trade offs to deal with, right? Because look, you know, put on your conference organizer hat now. That's what we are, um, and you know, there are other people involved in the logistics and and sort of event design of Kafka Summit apart from us. But um, we're voices in this discussion, and we have all these trade offs to make, right? And you get even in this group diverse answers. I didn't give my answer as to which I, I like better, live or pre recorded. Um, and the answer is I love them both. Like I love to make pre-recorded videos. I think you can, at least I can make like a really polished, good project product and I, I feel good about it and I enjoy the process, blah, blah, blah. But if it's a live online thing where I can see faces and people are chatting and there's like interaction with human beings, even though it's not in, per in person, that's so much more energizing. So both of these are beautiful things and have their, their strengths. And we have to weigh these trade-offs when we're, we're, we're building a Kafka summit. And we did. And so what we've chosen is um, our best attempt at a hybrid, which is pre-recorded talks. So when you attend, Kafka, when, not if, you attend Kafka Summit, dear listener, um, the, the, um, the talk itself is going to be pre-recorded. The keynotes are going to be pre-recorded. Um, and uh, the speaker will also be present during the event for live Q&A. So you'll have a, you know, through the event platform, you'll be able to chat with the speaker and other attendees of that session. So we're trying to kind of capture this event feel and live interact interactivity, uh, but then also capture all the good things about being pre-recorded. And I would add from the actual like event production side and the people who do AV and all that kind of stuff, the, the very thought of trying to pull off 70 some speakers um, with live streaming video all together in different parts of the world and different environments and produce a high quality event. Um, 
at least to us was terrifying. There, there are conferences that are doing it. And the longer we keep at this, I think the more competency will develop there. But that's what Summit's doing. And we're also trying to capture the, you know, the, the real killer is the loss of serendipitous interaction. You don't just get to wander and talk to people um, and uh, meet people and, and all that kind of thing. But, you know, but this actually in online online conferences and Kafka Summit is uh, no exception. We are uh, creating, you know, like common interest chat rooms and birds of a feather sessions and, and kind of fun activities online that are, that are trying to create that relational dynamic. Um, and I'm really excited to see how it works out. Um, Kafka Summit is, you know, it's, it's an increasingly powerful institution and gathering of, of the people in the community who are shaping the future direction of Kafka. And, and I don't mean just committers, right? I mean, the people who are building things with Kafka. And now we've got this kind of 10x larger group of people from a, you know, a much more global audience who are there to participate. And we've tried to create these person-to-person opportunities to relate with other attendees besides just absorbing the content. You know, Because otherwise, the, the future version of an online conference is like a YouTube playlist, right? If it's just the videos, then, you know, the chat will go away. You think, oh, I don't really need that. And you, there's no other way to interact with people. And, and I just, just publish videos. You know, that, that's all it becomes. And you've really lost the interaction. We're trying not to do that. We're really trying to make both things happen. Uh, jump ball. How do you guys feel about that? Uh, I think it's going to be dead exciting. Um, I think, like you say, it's conferences have got to make sure that it doesn't just become like a long playlist of videos um, because people attending even like if it's an amazing online conference, you've still got that uphill battle of you're just a window on someone's desktop. And so the moment it gets boring or just like, oh, it's just another blah, blah, blah talk, they close that or they go and watch cats on YouTube or something. And so it's, I think it's going to be great because I think there's going to be a ton of stuff to make sure that it isn't that. Um, so no, I'm really looking forward to it. Ricardo. Yeah, I agree with Robin. I mean, I'd, I think the, the layout that has been chosen for Kafka Summit is going to entertain uh, all the attendees and uh, make them make their life really exciting. Walking through the whole the content that uh, developers not developers, sorry, uh, the speakers have prepared for, and um, yeah, I think the experience overall is going to be amazing. It's that's what I hope to. Vic, what do you think? I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I really want uh, this uh, to work the way how we designed this to. Um, it's it's a um, it's a really unique opportunity like this year, uh, not only to widen audience uh, simply because like it's free and the people are joining this, and maybe we will discover some of the uh, new stars in you know the Kafka community in terms of like speakers, in terms of tech, in terms of um, some of the interesting use cases and some of the conversations and the, the number of people who will be participating in this conversation will contribute to this one. Um, I think it's a, it's a really great times. I'm trying to find a silver lining on this kind of like a weird times and uh, we will never... Um, like a, a scramble to achieve this like level of uh, like a conference or organization if we will do just the traditional way so this is why we had to adjust and uh, I think you guys are gonna love it so the things what we do um, 
it's it's really excite us and uh, hopefully you also will be excited so if you're not registered just go register today come on what are you waiting for my guests today have been my friends and colleagues robin moffat ricardo ferreira and victor gamoff robin ricardo victor thanks for being a part of streaming audio thanks so much for having us it's been a pleasure yep same here looking forward to do to do more of those port talks podcast with you guys stay safe and as always have a nice day Hey, you know what you get for listening to the end? Some free Confluent Cloud. Use the promo code 60PDCAST, that's 60PDCAST, to get an additional $60 of free Confluent Cloud usage. Be sure to activate it by December 31st, 2021, and use it within 90 days after activation. And any unused promo value on the expiration date will be forfeit, and there are a limited number of codes available, so don't miss out. Anyway, As always, I hope this podcast was helpful to you. If you want to discuss it or ask a question, you can always reach out to me at TLBerglund on Twitter. That's T-L-B-E-R-G-L-U-N-D. Or you can leave a comment on a YouTube video or reach out in our community Slack. There's a Slack sign-up link in the show notes if you'd like to join. And while you're at it, please subscribe to our YouTube channel and to this podcast wherever fine podcasts are sold. And if you subscribe through Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave us a review there. That helps other people discover us, which we think is a good thing. So thanks for your support, and we'll see you next time.